This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's the not finishing. Game. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. To episode 55 five fives i can't believe we've made it this far uh it's a little bit amazing uh before we get started as always let's check in with the boys trading my man how are you doing i'm good um sucks that hockey's over but uh you know it, every it, all great things come to an end um off season is already in session uh, and we've already saw, saw some things happen. So, you know, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to be, we're going to, we're in for a busy couple of weeks here once uh, the expansion draft happens next week. Yeah, the expansion draft will be fun. The Stanley Cup got dented. Whole bunch of crazy shit going down in Tampa. Can't believe they did that. But yeah, um, if you guys haven't seen that, the Lightning are having a grand ass time celebrating and they like dented the actual bowl part, the top of the uh, Stanley Cup. And then it's got to go back to Montreal to be repaired, which is kind of funny since they so weird. beat Montreal in the finals. But, hey, that's, uh, I don't know, it's Florida, you know. James, how you doing? Good, man. Quick question, though. Who partied better, the uh, Buccaneers or the Lightning? I mean, Buccaneers had that little toss of Lombardi boat to boat while Tom Brady was just – plastered just absolutely shredded and then over here you got kucherov just being drunk <laughs> all the time <laughs> putting beer in people's eyeballs you know denting the stanley cup who parties better the bucks or the lightning i mean i feel like it's got to be the lucky players always party harder hard party better it's an easy question i mean no you that's not the truth next <laughs> sorry sorry to <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think the Lightning probably are because they actually broke the trophy versus, you know, Tom Brady. He did toss the trophy, but as far as we know, there was zero dents made in that trophy. So if you if you dent a piece of metal like that, I mean, I feel like you got party harder. But. I like that answer. Good stuff. But yeah, I'm doing good, I mean, man. <laughs> good. I mean, Kucherov, Russians, Russians know how to drink. He seems to be just perpetually drunk at this point. Sort of like Ovi was when they won. So I think it's just it's just a thing. Uh, Tyler, obviously, um, you think Tampa party's harder, but how are you doing? I mean, it's both Tampa. I'm doing good. We got uh, All-Star Week this week. I well, whatever. love it. Uh, home run derby's happening right now. Trey Mancini just made it to the final. Um, so that's really uh, – that's awesome stuff. Uh, Shohei Otani bounced out of the first round. So sorry, Angels fans. Uh, he didn't quite live up to expectations there, but – he is starting the All-Star game tomorrow. So Save it for the real games, Tyler. Yeah. So still got a home run derby left. So currently got that on right now as we're doing this podcast. So hopefully by the time my signal rolls around, we'll have that finished up and ready to wrap that up. But yeah, I freaking love home run derby All-Star game. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the whole year. So loving it. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely fun, especially in Colorado, because that's just a whole other, you know, just ball game with the, and it's like 90 degrees in Denver, which is pretty warm for there. So yeah, the balls are flying. I think Soto hit one five twenty. Um, yeah, they showed a they showed a graphic of the last time the home run derby was in Colorado was nineteen ninety eight, and it was around the same time, so you know, kind of mid July. And in nineteen eighty eight, the temperature was like seventy one degrees with like twenty degree winds, and this year it's ninety one degrees with like zero winds. So, in case you don't think global global warming is a real thing, <laughs> there you go. Do you guys think, as a collective, if we all had our best shot? we could hit a ball if we added all of my nope. 520 feet. Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. I nope. feel like nope. I'm getting like maybe nope. 10 feet from There's me. There's nothing you can say to say that'll make me change my mind. <laughs> nope. I think we could. I got maybe 10 feet. I think max. I think Tyler and I could get us at least 400, 450 between the two of us. I won't even make contact. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's a golf ball? If you get it out of the end. Oh. Over 100. I mean, if it's on a tee, I might be able to get it, you know, <laughs> third base, but or a second base, but no, no. I think you're underestimating your abilities. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even hit. I couldn't even hit a fucking ball at the at a batting cage at the slowest pitching. I had to turn it to softball <laughs> so I can actually actually make contact. You play golf and hockey. I have a hard time believing your hand-eye coordination is that poor that you couldn't hit a baseball. <laughs> I just I don't believe. No. All right. Next next time the five of us are all in one place, that's what we're doing. We're going to go to a that's field. Or we go to a batting cage. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Last but, not, last, last but not least, Eric, you had to change the background because Shohei got bounced in the first round. How no. Doing, my man? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it because uh, this is the glorious uh, course I'll be talking about shortly, but uh, I'm doing good. And I was going to say, oh, yeah, we're pop culture people. Happy Shark Week, everybody. Um, That's the thing. So you don't like yeah. Shark Week, huh? You don't, you know, I guess you don't keep up with it, James. You don't like seeing air jaws. Like, you don't like seeing the great white catch the seal and <laughs> jump 25 feet out of the air. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on that one, man. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, I played uh, golf with James and Traden, and then I proceeded to play hockey with Traden and – he was getting flustered with me trying to take one timers uh, from the passes he was giving me. Like he thought I was trying to be like Ovechkin or something. Um, and I'm like, well, what do you expect me to do when you give me these passes? You know, it's more of a compliment to you trading for the, the passes you're teeing me up with. Yeah. You just, you know, you could <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah. We've all seen trading get a little flustered playing hockey, but that's okay. It's just passion. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we get back. Eric is going to talk about the last major of the year in the golf world. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we're talking about golf, the people's sport. Just kidding. Uh, Eric, let's talk about this last <laughs> Last open, I don't even know, Major, I don't even know if that's actually true. I just learned during the break, golf is year-round, so I don't know how it could be last. It feels like it's just always going, but go for it. Yeah, I mean, that was a good question because uh, none of us knew the answer. So, you know, we're just really big golf guys, golf fans, and we don't know the answer to the simple questions. But um, 
Yeah, it's called The Open, and this is the fourth and last major tournament of the year. Um, I know it's it's so sad, Alex, because hockey's done and then golf's about to be done, you know, until it's back in September, apparently. But, um, yeah, so a little quick history. This is the oldest of the four tournaments, and this will be the 149th time this tournament's going to be played. Um Fun fact, it's always in Europe. It's usually either in England or Scotland. Um, and it's it's taking place this year at the Royal St. George's uh, course. And this is in Sandwich, Kent, England. Um, the course is also called Sandwich Links. So, you know, we already like it that much more because we're tying in food to the, to the equation here. Um, and the name of the famous trophy to be raised, which you see right here, is called the claret jug um in other words it's just a giant tin you could pour gravy out of uh from what we determined right before the episode began um but right away the course i mean this is a picture i i don't know where what this house is maybe it's a clubhouse or something who knows but as you can see like the course actually looks like shit um probably the worst course of any of these pga or major tournaments you've seen an aerial of this course yeah, I mean, it's probably somewhat nice, but also not sick. that nice. Have it's you seen it? Sick. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's actually pretty sick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but but you look at this versus like, you know, Augusta or like the the Masters Tournament course or all these other ones. Obviously, it's nice, but it's a Lake style course. Much terrain. So yeah, this is all not I a lot of nature. It's a Lake <laughs> style course. Um, I looked up what, what this means. Rising ground ridge. Um, a lot of undulating surfaces. So in other words, it looks like shit trading um, compared to these other courses. But a quick stat, 2003, Tiger Woods lost his first professional career ball ever on his first tee shot here. So it's basically something we could all relate to. Um, Tyler, I want to throw it to you. Does this really matter, the course conditions and that it's a link style course and what we were talking about. I mean, definitely the course matters because that's what you're playing on and every course has a different um, challenge to it. But I'll say like every time I see this course and I've seen it a few times throughout my life and, you know, seeing highlights of it, like most of the time when I'm watching a PGA tournament, I'm looking at the golf course. I'm like, God, I want to play in that course. It's so beautiful. It's just so green and pristine. This is the opposite of that. This is one of the few courses that you, if you ask me, Hey, do you want to play this course for free? I'd be like, no, because like, I mean, the rough, I don't know if you guys, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys, for free, for free, you want to play for free, <laughs> do it. It, it, free. It, it, it would not be worth it. Like if, if you're telling me like, Hey, do you, you want to play a uh, bro on golf now? <laughs> a two time here is 245 bucks. That's you're not going to take it for free. That's actually pretty cheap for a place like this. Pebble Beach, Pines, like all the gorgeous course around the world. This one looks like just the, it, it wouldn't be worth my free money. Like it just wouldn't be worth it because the rough is like insanely rough. There's no such thing as free money, motherfucker. <laughs> Take the damn free golf and go play. No, I, 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 I would not do it. I would not play this course. Um, just the, you have to be perfect with every single shot. Um, and the bunkers, obviously the bunkers, but they're so deep. Uh, like, I don't know how anyone hits a ball out of that thing. Um, it just looks like a miserable time for an amateur golfer. So like, obviously the pros can do it. And they, the fact that they are able to score under par in any of these holes is, is mind-blowing to me from 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 a spectator's perspective it looks like the most difficult course in golf 
I'm sure there are more difficult courses and you know, whatever, but I mean, just the looks of it, man, it just looks like it's not a fun time. Um, you, you would have to pay me to play it. Like, okay. I would do it for free. If you pay me to do it, I would do it, but I'm not doing it for free. I, I kind of get what you're saying though, because you get a free round, right? But I'm probably going to lose maybe $75 with the balls there. Yeah. Like I'm paying, I'm going to have to pay 75 bucks because I lose so much shit. And I'll probably lose a club if I drop it and the grass just eats it up. I lose so much money. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing at least two golf balls every single hole. At least. <laughs> well, horrible. So what's new then? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think um, that's a good answer, Tyler, because, you know, I said it looks like shit, so I'm glad you backed me up. Um, as far as the other things you said, I don't know. But uh, also, we got to try to convince Alex to, to glance at this tournament this weekend. So we're 0 for 1 with that answer, Tyler. Um, actually, maybe we're not. Who knows? But <laughs> I still like the answer. Um, now let's talk to players. It's the most unpredictable, hard sport um, to say who's going to win a tournament. But, uh, you know, here's some notable guys. John Rom. He just won the last major tournament. It was a few weeks ago, the Torrey Pines, San Diego tournament, U.S. Open. Um, Rory McIlroy, he won this tournament in 2014. It was when it was in Scotland. Um, another course that looks horrible that Tyler wouldn't play for free. Um, Brooks Kepka, he has finished a few top tens um, his last few tournaments. So, like, that's actually something in golf you've seen trend-wise trend that actually shows – Usually, uh, they have a better chance. Um, now that I say that, he won't, but that's okay. I don't like Kepke anyways. Uh, Jordan Spieth won this tournament in 2017. And then, you know, we got to bring up the last guy who no one actually thinks will do shit, uh, DeChambeau, uh, because the golf world hates on him, but I just wanted to throw him in the mix. Traden and James. Um, I'll start with Traden. Who do you like winning this tournament and why? Yeah, I mean, I guess to, you know, to talk about DeChambeau real quick, I think the only thing that he has against him is his, is the course, obviously, uh, uh, Tyler alluded to it. This course takes creativity. It requires creativity. It, it requires an ability to, to run, you know, or no, be, be a premium iron player. And he's, He's a long ball hitter, but he, but his, his, uh, his creativity and his, uh, his accuracy is not, not great. And he's not going to play very well in that respect. Spieth, I have, I have, I, I have high hopes for Spieth, um, th this tournament. He's, he's my pick. Uh, and the reason is, is because the guy's been kind of had a resurgence this year. Um, I believe he's on, I, well, he won earlier this year. He's, he's on, he's in the crap, the top 10, eight out of his last 10 tournaments. Uh, he's playing very, very well. And he, he was, you know, last few years, he's been in kind of a drought where he just, you know, would, you, as you say, he would get the yips. He'd, he'd have a, he'd have a hole that he just kind of bombs. And then his whole round goes to shit kind of like my life. Um, but he's really managed to fix the mental side of the game and, and keep it and keep it kind of going. Uh, also he, he is such a creative um, golfer. And in, in fact, it's kind of the main reason he won in 2017. Um, he, he knows, he, he knows the rules and he uses them to his advantage. He's creative with what he may have an errant tee shot, but he's able to, he's able to recover. Well, he's a very, very good iron player. And just given the fact that he's on a very good trajectory, this, this 
the open tournament, the British Open is made for him. And I think that he's going to take with, take it and run, get that, um, you know, get that major win that he's been uh, kind of on the outside looking in for the past few years here. Sure. Yeah. Um, two quick things too. Deschambeau's caddy, he actually just bailed on him uh, last weekend, um, right before the tournament again. It was a tournament he won before he won last year. Um, his caddy just just left and uh, said he was done. So that's something to take note of. And then, so he got a new caddy and then Jordan Spieth always argues with his caddy. I think that's what some people have speculation on him, like doing worse lately is him and his caddy are always like battling each other, but what the hell do I know? That's just, you know, the, the media speculation, James, uh, what do you got? Uh, first off, I just want to say trade great answer. Loved it. But I want to argue kind of against the whole creativity aspect of it. And I get what you're saying. Like you, there's going to be undulating surfaces and whatnot. And so you have to be creative with this shot. But I want to say that it's the player's ability to temper expectations and take the shot that is safer. Not always the one that's more aggressive, but the one that's safer. That'll put you in the spot that you want to be in, regardless of how far it is away from the green. Because this course is going to be tough. The roughs are unforgiving. Um, there's just random up and downs, highs and lows that you don't see from where you're shooting from. And so you have to place it to somewhere that you actually can see. Put that ball where you want it. It's going to, if you just shoot maybe 20 yards less than what you normally shoot with a five iron, then that's what you're going to have to go with. You can't overshoot the, the ball because if the ball goes and rolls somewhere you don't think it's going to go to, you're going to lose it. And you're now somewhere that you're going to have trouble hitting from. That being said, I think the, the person that kind of exemplifies this style of play would be John Rom. DeChambeau is literally the opposite of that. The dude just hits as far <laughs> as he can every single time with 0% accuracy. John Rom is the opposite. He takes his time. He doesn't take, he's not a hero. He takes the safe shot every single time and it tends to work out for him. The one thing that he kind of struggles at is getting those longer putts. But that's okay. Because chances are he'll get on the green in a good amount of, swings versus somebody else who's in the rough and chopping at tall grass trying to get the ball back into the fairway i mean john ron right now confidence is running high he's number one overall golfer he just won the u.s open now he's playing the British open he's gonna probably just take out all the continents of all the opens because that's what john ron does and the thing is man he's he's set to do it he's probably pissed off that he got pulled for covid a couple uh tournaments back so he's out here with a vengeance trying to prove that he shouldn't got i mean he should have gotten pulled but he, he was gonna win that tournament He's hired to prove that he's going to continue winning. And that's what he does. That's John Rom. That's why I think John Rom's going to take it. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good uh, thought out answer. Um, you might have actually just like swayed my opinion with that answer, James. Um, obviously, I don't think DeChambeau is going to win it, especially with the last tournament. He was up. He was up like after five holes and he, he had the worst back nine like ever of his life. And I like his answer was like, they're like, oh, what happened? He's like, luck. And the reporter was like, seriously, luck. But it was it was him just doing terrible. Um, but yeah, that's a, I think John Rahm does have a good chance, especially with the confidence he's riding. The last thing we're going to get into, um, a couple random but interesting facts about this course. Uh, it was tied into the James Bond movie Goldfinger. Apparently, uh, James Bond faced uh, Goldfinger on this course um, it's called the Royal St. George course. They called it the Royal St. something else course, but it was literally on this course. Um, not the biggest James Bond guy, but I do remember that video game on uh, N64. So 
I'll give it a shout out. And then the fifth hole on this course was once used uh, as a bunker during World War II. So now I'm going to throw it to Alex. Um, will these things uh, spark your interest to maybe throw this tournament on Sunday in the background, say you're at work or any, any scenario like that? Or is it going mean, to have to be like you roll in somewhere and it's on the TV and that's going to be the only time you see it? I mean, realistically, I'm probably not going to turn it on, just to be <laughs> sure that. The James Bond thing is kind of cool. The World War II thing is, in my opinion, way cooler. I think that's super cool that it's still tied into that. Um, obviously, it's in England and that was, you know, part of the battlefront or whatever in World War II. Um, I did just buy Super Mario Golf, so I'm a huge golf oh guy. Oh, my God, now. that game is amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> Huge wow. golf guy. Um, you didn't ask me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Capco to win. Um, oh, nice! I have no legitimate reasoning behind it because I don't have any uh, smart thoughts about it. But he seems like a guy I'd want to get a beer with, and in my mind, that makes you a winner. So um, I'm probably isn't not gonna he... turn it on. Go ahead, James. Trading isn't he an asshole? Is that what determined like a couple podcasts <laughs> back that? Brooks kept because a piece of shit. Yeah, but I mean, he's probably cool. It's fun to drink with. That's true. He's a big bar I mean, school guy. No free ads. They're probably I mean, all kind of pieces of shit. And they're probably all kind of fun to drink with. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, genuinely say that Justin Thomas is a good guy. I mean, I, I that's for he seems like. I know. I don't oh, think Roy. Tiger's the nicest dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the shit Tiger's been through. <laughs> which which is the but, one that's married, or which one's married to Gretzky's daughter? Dustin that is Johnson. DJ. Dustin Johnson. Okay. Is he playing? Because now I pick him. Yeah, yes, he is. Okay. Yeah, I actually almost him. mentioned him. Yeah. Because then I want to I want to hang out with him and then be able to hang out with Gretzky somehow. So that's my and his daughter. Mine. That's good. And his daughter. I, like that. <laughs> I feel like that's a. Um, I Eric, no lie though, I. After we talk about these, I do. I don't watch them, but I will like keep a keep an eye on it just to see yeah. who's winning. So, if anything, you've got me to at least check to see who's winning. There we go. So that's I call that a win. I would call yeah. that a win. So yeah, I mean, kind of what I was saying earlier. It looks seem we must have been you know two for three on getting you to. Now you're gonna you know glance at it. Who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe you're drinking a beer somewhere and and you just see in the background Dustin Johnson you know taking a tee shot or something or Kepka. It's it's not uh, unlikely to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's more likely to happen because of you and the oh. podcast. So I'd call yeah that's that's a big win. Hell yeah, <laughs> um, appreciate that. Yeah, so I mean. The last thing uh, I'll say is Alex said something pretty funny uh, right before um, that this trophy right here, the the fuck is it called again? The Claret Jug. Um, he said if they actually were to pour gravy out of it, then he would probably watch the whole tournament. So, oh yeah, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. That uh, that could be something in the mix. If if who knows, maybe we'll get their attention with that. Um, PGA, get it done. Yeah, I mean anyone can do it. You know. Um, just like anyone can hit the ball 520 feet out of the park, uh, right, trade in. But uh, yeah, that's all I got on golf this week. Um, and it starts Thursday and it ends Sunday, of course. So all you know, we're all be Sunday glued to the couch watching it. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of football games, they dump Gatorade at the Indy 500. They drink milk. I don't know why it's an open 
championship, they can't just pour gravy on you after you win. <laughs> they, they can start a new tradition. I feel like we've, we figured it out. Yeah. Um, Eric, thank you, uh, as always, for your insight on the golf world. Uh, oh my God, guys. For, hold on. Gravy originated in the UK. So that's... Wow. Kind of a oh. big deal. All right. PGA <laughs> officials, I'm sure you're... Figure it out. <laughs> TLDR podcast has figured it out for you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another quick break, and then James uh, is going to continue with his uh, preseason predictions and every, all that with the uh, NFL. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back. And this week, we're talking about the NFC West. There's a lot of uh, fans of that conference or that division um, on this podcast. So we'll see how heated this one gets. Uh, James, take it away. All right, guys. Let's, let's get right into it. So <clears throat> the first thing we're going to start with is the first loser of this division, the worst of this division, the suckiest of this division. That's the San Francisco 49ers coming in hot with a 6-10 and 10 record for the last season. They finished 14th in offense and 8th in defense, which is saying a lot considering the amount of injuries they had on both sides of the ball. Uh, this offseason, they lost – Quarterback Nick Mullins, I think he's a Eagle now. Kendrick Bourne went to the Patriots. Tevin Coleman, don't know where he is. Mikel Witherspoon went to the Seahawks. But they did sign center Alex Mack from the Falcons and Samson Ebukam, a defensive end, from the Rams. In the draft, the first pick they had, they chatted up to get uh, third overall. They picked uh, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And in the second round, they picked a guard, Aaron Banks, out of Notre Dame. Traded. Why are they? the Niners are going to have a better season than they did last year. Um, to, I'm going to, the main theme is that they're simply going to be healthy. I mean, that's kind of the main reason that they were last in their division, which I think we all can agree is probably the toughest division in football, like easily um, with the way that the whole playoffs are kind of set up, you know, probably all four of them should probably have made the playoffs <laughs> and some other teams in other divisions, probably not because they're that good. Um, even the Cardinals, um, who, you know, were, are just a victim of a very good team, a very good division. Anyway, the 49ers are just going to be fantastic. They're going to be much better than last year, at least. And I'm, and I'm going for, and I'm, I have them pegged for actually winning the division, to be honest with you. Uh, the reason is, is because they're going to have a, a healthy roster. I mean, I, um, I, I love, I love your pick in uh, Trey Lance. Um, I think that he's going to be a great Early on backup to Jimmy G. I actually have a bold prediction that Jimmy G will be traded at deadline uh, um, because Trey Lance is going to come in and, and take over the show. Um, I think the Trey Lance's progression is going to be faster than expected. And then you look at what drives this team and it's the running game. Kyle Shanahan is all about that running game type of type of scheme and Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, at least before he was injured, unfortunately, this um, relatively recently. Um, and then this rookie Trey Sermon, I think are going to, I think that he, he's going to be a guy that you're going to look at. Um, and I think he's going to excel under Kyle Shanahan's system. Um, and he, you know, he's taken a lot of, he's taken a lot of reps during this camp and I think he's going to play a huge role and you guys play that. And the, the Niners play that kind of tandem role where not one running back is really your main guy. You really, you really, are situational and, you know, you know, one running back may go off for a bunch of points, you know, but he may not the next week because you have another guy that's, that can pick up the, you know, pick up the slack. Um, George Kittle, I think, I mean, is one of the best tight ends in the league, um, both blocking and, and, and catching um, that alone is a, is a huge boost. 
was to the, to the uh, offense. And then I think Brandon Ayuk is going to come out and be, you know, what he do, does, what he does. Uh, and I think, so I think offensively you guys are, uh, the, or the 49ers are extremely strong, uh, are going to be extremely strong when healthy and defensively, they're one of the best teams in the, in, in the league, in my opinion. Um, you got your star edge rusher, Nick Bosa, um, back. I mean, that's huge presence. Uh, Fred Warner is, 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 uh, is brought into the mix. Um, and I, you guys rebuilt your secondary. I think you guys are going to do much better defensively, uh, in a, in a division that is defensively like heavy. I mean, you have a strong defensive division and I think you guys are going to excel, um, in that division and all in all, I think that we're going to see it. We're not going to see what we saw last year. I think that was kind of a fluke. We're going to see something similar to a 2019 San Francisco 49ers albeit in a tougher division than even then. So it's not going to be easy, but I, I see them. Uh, I see them taking the division. Love that answer. Alex, why are the Niners going to suck? I'm yeah. going myself for this. <laughs> <laughs> Traden, I do agree with you. And I think the other three guys will agree. This is the hardest division in football. Um, and it's the quarterback position is a question mark. I mean, we've seen one good season out of Jimmy G and that feels like an outlier at this point. He can't stay healthy. Um, he can't throw the ball down the field. Um, and if he doesn't stay healthy, Trey Lance takes over. As talented as he is and as talented as he may be and how good of a career he might have, a, being a rookie in the NFL, especially in a division like this that has the defenses that this division has, it's a lot different than playing whoever the fuck you play in, in North Dakota State. So, like, it's going to take some time. He may be a very talented quarterback. It's just really, really tough to trust that in a division that's this tough. If he was playing in the NFC East, maybe a little bit different. Um, again, and again, with the health aspect, you've already got a, a running back hurt. You're coming, you know, Nick Bosa is a monster. I'm going to assume it's going to take him a little bit of time to get, you know, get his feet back under him with the injuries. And just this team, this team is to like, this team is built to win if they can stay healthy. Um, and like you said, trading, they just rebuilt pretty much their entire secondary. That's also going to take some time for everyone to get not, I said most, not all of it, James, calm down. Who did they rebuild for the secondary? Didn't everyone leave? And the only no, guy you had Richard left Sherman. was Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, only Richard Sherman left. Richard Sherman <laughs> is everybody though. <laughs> okay. Either way. <laughs> I think it's going to take some time to get everyone. This whole team was hurt last year. I mean, just everyone got hurt and they still had, you know, a decent season for how much injuries they had. It's going to take some time and I, their schedule is pretty brutal. I just don't know if they can get it all going quickly enough with the other elite teams that are in this division. And I just don't trust either of the quarterbacks to be completely frank with you. And this is a quarterback league. That's that's what it is. Um, so they they could win the division or they could go six and six and eleven. I guess this would be this year. It wouldn't surprise me either way. What do you think they're gonna go this year? I think they're going to go ten and seven. Trading. Uh thirteen and four. Wow, okay. You I, I thought they were gonna go twelve and five. Uh just piggybacking off of what you guys both said. I think they actually have a top three O line with the addition of Alex Mack at center. And that one game is going to be gnarly. Jimmy G can win. I mean, he's lost like four games as a starter. If he's healthy, he can win. And everybody keeps bringing up the fact that he can't throw the deep ball. But <laughs> that was one game where he didn't throw the deep ball. And that was the Super Bowl. 
he's thrown it every other game he's played in. But that's the one thing you guys fixate on. Thrown in that game. the biggest thing. <laughs> he should have. But I mean, everybody makes mistakes, man. It's cool. Yeah, right? not really. Like a probably coaching that game. Right, and then like to be honest, Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme up an offense that is going to be amazing for all the running backs and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, who, who will be healthy. And the fact that getting uh, Bosa back, Andy Ford, it's going to kind of rely on D'Amico Ryans to see if he can figure out how to use them properly the way Robert Salah did. So I think this is mostly going to be on the defense rather than the offense this season. Tyler, what do you think the record is going to be? I got the Niners at 12 and 5 as well. So, and be- Sorry, continue. I just said they're not going to finish first. <laughs> Okay, and Eric. Uh, I got him at eight and nine. Um, didn't they lose the defensive coach, the guy who's always going wild on the sideline? Yeah, he went to go coach the Jets. All right, well, they're going eight and nine because of it. that reason alone. They don't have the guy to hype him up on the sideline when they make a good play. Eight and yeah, nine. That's, that's all. If George Kittle. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> George Hill, that's an NBA guy, dude. I said George Kittle, fool. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to fantasy real fast. Uh, quarterbacks, Jimmy G and Trey Lance, both going undrafted, trading. Who would you rather have at the end of the season? Um, I don't think you could take I, – I can't come to, to pick take one. either of them. If I had to pick, probably Jimmy G, just because, you know, he's, he's a tenured quarterback in this league. I don't know what I'm getting in Trey Lance yet. Uh, running back position, Raheem Mostert, you mentioned ADP is at 89. So right about the bottom of the eighth round, last year was limited to eight, eight games. But with the revolving door at running back, would you draft him in the eighth round? I, I don't think I could draft him. Um, I think that he would have to be a pickup only because I don't, I, as I mentioned in my preview, I don't know who I'm getting for, that, for on a game by game basis. You know, it's not like, it's not like, a, well, I, Nick Chubb's probably a bad option or a bad pick because there is a little bit of, you know, sharing the load there, but you know, he's kind of the main guy. And I don't know, I mean, Mostert's the main guy, but I mean, he doesn't play 100% of every snap. It's just different. I just can't trust it. Okay. Last but not least, George Kittle, tied into the people. ADP is 29 currently. Would you rather have him or your boy, Darren Waller? Um, I'm actually going to pick George Kittle here. Um, I, just, I, just trust, I just trust the offense. I trust the O-line. I trust, um, you know, Jimmy G's or Trey Lance's ability to, to throw. Uh, I just like George Kittle's position here. Okay, I like it. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, they finished 8-8, eight eight, 19th in offense, 25th in defense. They had made so many moves this offseason. A lot of big names moved to their team. Um, they lost Kenyon Drake, Patrick Peterson, and Hassan Reddick. But they did gain A.J. Green, James Conner, J.J. Watt, and Malcolm Butler. A lot of big name free agents, a little bit on the older side, but if they can make an impact, this team is going to be pretty damn good. In the draft, they drafted linebacker Zayvon Collins, the 16th overall pick. But his future with the team is in jeopardy because he was just arrested going 75 and a 30 and was very disrespectful as he was being arrested. So we'll see what happens next. And they also nice. picked up another wide receiver, Rondale Moore, in the second round. Eric, why are the Cardinals going to do well this season? Yeah, I mean, you touched on uh... – they were pretty active this offseason. Uh, A.J. Green, now part of the squad. Uh, I think he's going to rejuvenate himself coming from the Bengals. Um, J.J. Watt is going to add just more to that that defense that they built um, with the safety Buda Baker. Um, yeah, 
Budabaker is important for their success. Um, he was he had a, a great year last year. I think he's uh, kind of developed their defensive culture. Um, they picked up standout center Rodney Hudson to the O line. So you know it's showing that they want to protect Kyler Murray because he's also a very good player, doing well for them. Um, so you're just seeing players are actually wanting to come to this team now, and they got DeAndre Hopkins last year, of course. So like they become like a team that is drawing attention. Um, I like their defense, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but the true test is the beginning of the season for them. First game on the road versus the Titans. Can the defense stop Derrick Henry? Uh, I think they can actually. Um, Tannehill, he's still in the Titans, right? Yeah, well, you know, he's <laughs> he's done good the last couple of years, but, you know, if they go in there and they find a way to beat the Titans, like they're going to they're gonna set – set a tone for the season. Uh, then they got the Vikings next. They'll win that. Uh, they're on the road against the Jaguars. They'll win that. Um, they're on the road against the Rams. Hopefully they don't win that, um, but they could. And then they got 49ers. They'll win that. And they're against the Browns on the road. Um, another two tests. So, you know, those first six games, if they go about four and two, they're on the right track, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, they're going to be a lot better uh, this year. And last year we saw they were very close to making the playoffs. So they're only going to build upon that. Um, and do you want to hear their final record, James? They will In a be. second, I'm going to let I'm going to let Traden go first. Yeah. Oh I'll yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Traden, why are the Cardinals going to suck, man? See, you can't say they're going to suck because they're not. Because this division's strong. <laughs> This division is, I mean, I mean, and I think, and I think that I had, that I picked them as the, you know, the, the, the weaker of the weakest of the, of the division. And I use air quotes there because of the strength of everybody else and who they're going to have to play. They're going to be, they're, they're not going to be playing a beaten down 49ers team. They're going to be playing a very healthy and good Niners team. Um, We could see a, we could see a big bump from the Rams the Seahawks are always seem to be, you know, solid contenders. So they're having to face stronger opponents in their division, which is, which, you know, and I also, and, and so then you have to look at what they added. They added a lot. And I appreciate that. I just don't know how they're going to, I just don't know how they're going to meld yet. And the reason I say that is because interestingly, the, you know, what hurt them the most was their offense. Because in games that they didn't score 24 points, they lost. They were owned six in those games. They were a winning, they had a winning record when they did score 24 points. So clearly their scoring kind of, kind of, um, you know, started to, you know, weaken towards the end of the year. Um, you know, they were only averaging 20.6 points per game. Uh, their defense kept them in it, but they just couldn't score enough points to, to you know, to, to take them over the edge. And, and I wonder if, if, the, if their additions are going to be able to do that. They're, they're a little bit older additions, and I just don't know if they're going to have the firepower. Their, na- they, their namesake says so, but um, I just have question marks at this point, um, you know, a- among other reasons because they're in such a tough division. So I, I just don't – I just see them struggling to, you know, gain a top spot in the division. Uh, what's what's the record going to be? I'm going to say ten and seven. Okay, Eric, what's the record going to be? Uh, I got him at ten and seven, also. <laughs> wow, I see. I want seven and ten, mainly because I think the defense is not going to hold up. That secondary is suspect as it is, but they didn't make any additions to it whatsoever. They went and got JJ Watt. He's going to shine. 
On the offensive side, James Conner is going to get hurt again. A.J. Green is a shell of himself. He put up like 600 yards total last year, and he played almost every game. Like, he's not going to do shit on this team. DeAndre Hopkins still getting all the touches. Kyler Murray is going to do better. Kyler Murray is going to continue to shine and continue to get better, and he's going to have a gnarly rushing total at the end of the season with rushing touchdowns. But other than that, there's nobody really out. Like, that offense is good. The defense, not so much. And Chandler Jones might hold out. So that J.J. Watt-Chandler Jones combination everybody's clamoring about might not happen. And that's going to hurt your defense big time. So seven and ten. Tyler, what do you think? Eight and nine. Why? Kind of same with the strange said. Like, I just I don't know how this team's going to melt mesh together the way they are. You know, they just they've been the bottom feeders of this division for a long time. They're going to have to prove it. Um, so I'm going to wait eight and nine. It's it's such a tough division. It's it's there's so many good teams in it. I just don't think that they're going to be the top of that division. Alex, I also agree with eight and nine. Um, but I agree with you, James. That defense is suspect. I just have I don't have faith that they're going to be able to make stops. Um, and I just think there's too many prolific offenses right now for them to them to be any better than eight and nine. Move on to fantasy here. Eric, you ready for this? Start off with quarterback Kyler Murray. His ADP is 41 and he finished as quarterback three last season. Can he finish as a top three quarterback once again this year? Yeah. Now he has AJ Green, more guys to throw to, more guys to catch and score for him. Yes. Let's make a bet. I say that Maybe. AJ Green does not surpass five touchdowns this season. Wow, what how much are we gonna bet on that? 50 bucks. All right, let's do it. Okay, 50 he'll, bucks he'll get more than five, good. he'll get like seven. <laughs> yeah, no, he's gonna get hurt after a game. Watch. <laughs> Moving on to running back position, we got James Conner. ADP is at 121. The dude was an RB6 in 2018, but hasn't ca- cracked the top 25 in the last two years. And on top of that, Chase Edmonds, the pass catch running back, is drafted 50 picks ahead of him. So who would you rather have, James Conner at 121 or Chase Edmonds at 171? Uh, Edmonds for sure. Um, One, because what you just said. And then two, uh, I was literally doing a little research. And um, some dude online says uh, Chase Edmonds will finish second on the team in catches. So after DeAndre Hopkins, not AJ yeah. Green, huh? Yeah, okay. Thought so. Because yeah, AJ Green's gonna but, get but, sucky. But DeAndre, uh, but AJ Green will score more than five touchdowns. So it's a win-win. And I was right on both answers. So yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, we got wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Last season he finished as wide receiver four. Um, and he is now drafted at number 15 overall. He's currently being picked after Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and Stephon Diggs. Can you make a case for him to be drafted before any of those other three? Um, I had him in both leagues last year somehow, some way, and I won one of the leagues for the first time ever. So, yes. And then I also had Stephon Diggs, who was really good. Uh, I'd take either one of those guys. Um, I think it's kind of a toss-up. Like, how can you say he's dropping to number 15, you know, from number four? Um, I still think he'll be a top three guy. I mean, out, out, out of all the wide receivers, he's at wide receiver number four. But overall, drafting, out of all the picks, he's number 15. Oh, okay. So if you were to rate the wide receivers in, in which order they're going to be taken, what would they be in? Um, probably Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams will be behind. Who's the other dude you said? <laughs> uh, Tyree Kill. Yeah, I think Devontae Adams might drop if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Um, oh. We don't know that yet, but – That'll be a big thing to, to see for him. But, yeah, you got to 
throw DeAndre Hopkins, I'd say second behind Stephon Diggs. I like that. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams last season, they went 10 and six, third in offense and first in defense, but still held a 10 and six record, which is weird. This offseason, they lost Jared Goff, linebacker Michael Brockers, tight end Gerald Everett, wide receiver Josh Reynolds, safety John Johnson III, and cornerback Troy Hill. But they did sign Deshaun Jackson, and they acquired Matthew Stafford from the Lions. In the draft, they picked a wide receiver, 2-2 Atwell, in round two. Alex, why are the Rams going to have a fantastic year this year? Well, they have a reliable quarterback. And, you know, as much as Matt Stafford has never won a playoff game, He's also been in Detroit for his whole career, so oof. Uh, he and she just oof, you know. Uh, Sean McVay and Matt Stafford are going to be able to um, connect just like he did with Jared Goff um, until Goff decided to s- just stop being good at playing football for whatever reason. Um, that wide receiver core is um, one of the most, like, almost underrated. It's kind of starting to get some love. Um, Tyler Higby is probably one of the most underrated tight ends in football. Um, that offensive line is better. It's still not going to be, I don't think, like one of the top offensive lines in football, but it should be good enough to get get it done. And when you have the best defensive player on the planet in Aaron Donald, that makes everyone else on that defensive side just that much better. Um, they did lose a lot of key guys. Troy Hill and John Johnson the third specifically are going to be kind of brutal. But the, the Rams are one of those teams that just seem to find players in the secondary that just fall out. I don't know how they do it, but you look at Darius Williams last year, led the team in interceptions. He was a monster. He'll be back. Obviously, we have diff- everyone has kind of a differing opinions on Jalen Ramsey, but he is still a pretty good cor- cornerback. Um, and I just think with Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, that whole team, um, it's, they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. Um, they're definitely one of these, one of the contenders in the NFC West. Tyler, I'm surprised you took the against part of this, but why are the Rams going to suck? Yeah, I'm a Rams fan, so I just wanted to challenge myself a little bit and just kind of come up with why I think the Rams may not be as good as I think they will be. And there's really two main reasons. One is, you know, the defense was number one defense last year. There's a lot of change, a lot of departures, as Alex mentioned, and they have a new defensive coordinator. There's a lot of different changes going on. You know, I think that their defense will still be very good. I just don't think they're going to be as incredibly shut down as they were last season. So their defense is going to take a little bit of a drop. Is Matt Stafford, is he, is he going to be, is he going to offset that a little bit? You know, hopefully he will. I think he had, on paper he will. Um, but the defense for me is going to be a concern in terms of how they're going to meld with all the new pieces. Obviously, as you mentioned, having Aaron Donald on the team, that's already a huge, a huge deal. So I think they'll be good, but not as good as they were last year. And number two, this Rams team is really top heavy. They don't have a ton of depth. So what concerns me about them is if they get hurt or they get a couple guys that go down with injuries, they're going to be in trouble because they haven't had a first round draft pick in what is it? Five years or something crazy. Um, so they're really, really top heavy. So they have to stay healthy, which in football is not the easiest thing to do. So that's the other thing that concerns me. So injuries, it's going to be a big thing for the Rams. If they start getting hurt, this team's going to go downhill real quick. So I just don't think they have a lot of depth on that team. Um, other than that, Alex, I agree with what you said. I think they're a very good team. I think they're one of the favorites to win the division, but just those couple of concerns there. What's the record going to be? Uh, I'm going to go 13 and four. So I think they're, I think they will win, win the division by, 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 by one game. It's going to be real close with those, with those, uh, with those teams in there, but I'm going to go 13 and four. Alex. I agree. 13 and four. I am worried about their, their depth. 
Um, but just that t- the top end talent is some of the best in the league. And I'm just going to believe 13, four, they're going to win the division. I agree with both of you guys. I think the same thing. Matt Stafford is a clear upgrade over Jared Goff. Um, that he actually has an O-line that can defend him. So he's not running for his life anymore. More time to read, more time to throw way more accurate, can throw the deep ball, everything. Matt Stafford, way better than Jared Goff. I am concerned with Andrew Whitworth, though, at left tackle. The dude's getting up there in age. He's 39. I watched him on Hard Knocks last year, and he was struggling to get through training camps. I don't know if another season is going to really push him over the edge. Um, but other than that, like you had mentioned, it's like there's no more depth. So once he goes out, there's your anchor. Who else is going to take that left tackle spot? Who's going to defend Stafford's blind side? If that goes down, you got to take Cam Akers and have him do a chip block and that takes away that weapon. That's concerning. Uh, the, I mean, the offense, though, Cup and Woods, amazing. Cam Akers is going to have a hell of a year. I'm super excited to see him and see what he's about to do as a number one back in this offense. But my main concerns will be on the defense and how, the, how many people they lost. That cornerback position and that safety position, it's going to be tough to recover from. Trayden, what do you think? I see 12-5. and five. Why? Because. <laughs> I mean, right. I don't think they're going to be as good as you guys say, because I obviously have the, the Niners above that. Um, so they're going to be fighting for that top spot, 12 and 5. And Eric? I got them 12 and 5, um, kind of agreeing with Alex, the, the offensive upgrades. Um, and, you know, I, I've talked a lot of shit on Matt Stafford because he was my first fantasy quarterback ever, but he was on the Lions. So I'm going to give him a new shot, new chance. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll have him in fantasy, but I guess my one concern is, um, you know, they're losing a lot of the defense. That was the number one defense last year. And so Tyler has a point, you know, a lot of there's changes and you hope that the changes are going to be, you know, not too detrimental to them. But 12 and five, the offense will make up for the defense last year. All right, let's talk fantasy. Quarterback position, Matt Stafford being drafted at 114, so pretty much undrafted. But he's going after Jalen Hurts and before Joel Burrow. Out of those three, who'd you pick, Alex? Ooh, I'd actually probably pick Joe Burrow. Um, as you know, he didn't pick the the Bengals did not pick the offensive lineman like they thought they were going to. Um, but he he teamed up with his uh, college wide receiver, and they already seem to be meshing. But I can see Matt Stafford definitely being your reserve quarterback, your bye week guy. He's going to throw a lot, and he's got two elite wide receivers. Um, it, he could be a surprise, surprise like sneaky good quarterback, but he's not going to end up as a top ten guy probably because he just doesn't he doesn't run. At running back, you got Cam Akers. He's being drafted at twenty right now. What is your projection on him this season being the number one running back in the Bell Cup for the first time in his career? I expect big things from Cam Akers. Um, I could see him ending up as a top 10 running back. I don't know if he's going to push guys like Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, um, but he could definitely be a, a very good running back. Um, possible double-digit scores. He can definitely catch a little bit out of the backfield, um, which is always, you know, a positive. Um, I expect big things definitely from uh, Cam Akers. Where did he finish? Let's say number like in like running back rankings. Yes. Let's say number nine. Wow. Top 10 finish. I like it. And last but not least, let's talk wide receivers. You got Cooper cup who finished at 26 last year and Robert Woods who finished at 14 last year. Um, currently though, Cooper cup is being drafted at 63 and Robert Woods is being drafted at 48. 
So would you rather have Robert Woods in the fourth round or Cooper Cup in the sixth round? I mean, for their value, you almost kind of want to take Cooper Cup in the sixth because you can get better value in the fourth. Um, Cup seems to be the one that's targeted more often and gets more yards, but Robert, at least then this is in the Jared Goff era, so who knows, this could all change. But Robert Woods is the one that scores more often. So you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. Um, but I might take Cup in the sixth and then, you know, get a, get a second running back earlier on. Um, but I think both of those guys are going to have a big step up compared to their numbers from last year because they have a more competent quarterback. Like it. Last but not least, we're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks, the winners of the division last year. They're 12-4. and four. They finished eighth in offense, 11th in defense. Last season was a tale of two Russells in the first half. was amazing, just dominant. The second half, Russell Wilson kind of disappeared. He was no better than Jared Goff, which is odd to say. This year, however, they have a new offense coordinator. So let's see how that turns out. This offseason, they lost Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin, both really good cornerbacks. They also lost Carlos Hyde, a running back, and KJ Wright is still a free agent. They did sign Gerald Everett from the Rams, Gabe Jackson, a guard from the Raiders, Akella Witherspoon from the Niners, and Alden Smith from the Cowboys. They drafted wide receiver in the second round, which is weird because I thought they were going to draft a lineman. Tyler, why are the Seahawks going to have a great year? Russell Wilson, you know, for now, is happy in Seattle. Obviously, they had the offseason drama with he wanted to be traded and all this stuff going on, but they seem to have settled that. Um, so that's huge. Having, having their, you know, franchise quarterback back is going to be big. So Russell Wilson seems to be back and happy in Seattle. And, you know, a lot of their offensive weapons, especially on the wide receiver, they got uh, Metcalf back, Lockett's back. Uh, Chris Carson, you know, had a lot of injuries last season, but he seems to be uh, ready to roll. So a lot of the weapons on offense kind of seem to be back and ready to roll. So that's going to be huge for him. I think, the, I think this team's going to run through their offense. Um, they added Gabe Jackson on, on, on the O-line. I think that'll kind of help. I think they'll be a little bit better than they were last season on, on, on that side. You know, there, there are a lot of questions on defense. As James, you mentioned, they did lose a lot of uh, defensive weapons. So, um, but, but they, they, did add a, they did add a few. Um, so we'll kind of see how that's going to happen. The, the new offensive coordinator, I think will be good for them. You know, he, uh, he came from the Rams. Um, you know, how, how high powered and how intense that offense is. I think that's going to be, that's, that's going to fit Russell Wilson's per, uh, perfectly. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a really good, good change for them. Um, so I think really it's going to come down to how good this defense can be and how much they can hold up in a really, you know, really tough division. But I think this offense is, is going to put up points against anyone. Um, I, I think, I think they're going to be very good. Russell Wilson, um, is, is going to lead that team and they're, they're definitely going to be competitive and they're going to make this division very, very tight. Eric, why are the Seahawks going to suck? Um, because every year there's always hope and there's always faith with this team. You hear Russell Wilson, he, this guy could be the MVP this year. You hear that for like the first five weeks. Um, then you end up seeing Russell Wilson just draining and tiring out because he literally is the one-man team there. Um, their O-line isn't good enough. We saw that last year. They didn't really do anything to make changes for that. Um, and that leads to problems all over. We pointed this out on episode one. The O-line is important in football. Um, Mike Brown, I remember he, that was his big talking point when he, when he uh, talked with us about it. Um, but looking at their schedule, uh, at Colts is their first game uh, with a brand new rejuvenated Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz did horrible last year on the Eagles. And I think this is like his, 
biggest game to, to prove himself. Um, and I think we're going to see Carson Wentz somehow, some way, and the Colts pull off a win over the Seahawks week one. This is going to send them in a downward spiral because then week two, they have the Titans at home. Derrick Henry's going to run it down their throat. They traded all these defense defensive players away, as you pointed out, James. Um, they got the Vikings on the road after that. It's that's a you know a possible win for them. So at this point, they're one and two. Then they got the Niners. They're not winning that game. Then they got the Rams. They're not winning that game. Then they're at the Steelers. They're not winning that game. So they go one and five in their first six games. Heavy workload for them to handle. And and uh, they're not going to do good. And that's why. Oh, wow. Okay. What's the record going to be? <laughs> uh, they're going to be 7 and 10. Tyler, what's the record uh, going to be? Sorry, uh, trade and go. That was an incredible – like, that was one of Eric's best answers of his life. Like that I was, think so, too. That was amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you, buddy. <laughs> Tyler. I'm going to reverse Eric Riegel 10 and 7. Mm. Okay, I'm going eight and nine. This defense is so bad. It's not, they're not cracking the top 25 defensively. Bobby Wagner is the only defensive guy you have now. Um, the offense is going to be good, but it can't overcome the defense's struggles. And so that's why they're going eight and nine. Trading, what do you think? Seven, 10. And Alex. Because Eric's answer was so fucking amazing. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> what do you um, think, Alex? I'm, I'm going nine and eight. Um, I'd still think that offense will be good enough to win them some games, but yeah, they're the defense. That's what we saw last year. The defense was shit at the beginning and then it turned it around. And then I don't know, nine and eight, they feel like a 500 ish team to me. Okay. Moving on to fantasy. We got Russell Wilson finishes QB six last season. ADP is in the sixth round at 63. Does he finish as a top five QB this season? Currently is going before Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. I think he could easily top five quarterback. As I mentioned earlier with the new uh, offensive coordinator, I think this uh, offense is going to be high powered and uh, I think Russell Wilson's going to fit real nice in there. He's, he's going to put up a lot of points for fantasy owners. I, I agree with you, man. That defense is going to be so bad, they're going to have to score a lot. Chris Carson. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Carson, ADP is 45. He has never had a full season in the NFL. He's always been injured. Oh my God. But the fact of the matter is, like, he puts up points because it was a run first offense. But now there's a new offensive coordinator. So does that worry you? Will you still draft Chris Carson in the fourth round, or are you going to wait a little bit longer because of that change of style and play? Chris Carson is a high-risk, high-reward kind of pick. Um, so I don't know if I would draft him quite that early. As you said, with the new with the new offense coordinator, things might change for him. He has increased his um, receiving points over his the course of his career, and that might be something that gives him a lot of points. But as you mentioned, injuries are a big concern. He was, I think, he missed five or six games last season. Um, he's just constantly on, on, on the injury list. So he's a, he's a high risk, high reward. He could potentially put up a lot of points if he's in. So maybe he's a good solid flex option for you, but I wouldn't drop him too high. Last but not least, we'll talk about our receivers. And this is super interesting to me, but DK Metcalf finished as wide receiver seven last season. Tyler Lockett finished as wide receiver eight. They were separated by a mere couple of points, but Drafting-wise, DK Metcalf is going at 19, while Tyler Lock is going at 57. So they finished points away last season, but the difference in picks is astonishing. It's almost 40 picks away. So Tyler, would you rather have DK Metcalf at the bottom of the first or the second round, or would you have Tyler Lockett in the sixth? I'm going to go DK Metcalf. Uh, he was on my team last year. He did wonders for me. 
Um, I think I think him and Will Wilson have a good thing going. Um, but you're right. I think that is quite a large separation for two guys that went neck and neck all season. I think Wilson's going to split the difference quite a bit. Um, but I think Metcalf just has slightly more. I think I think Wilson favors Metcalf just a little bit more. So I'm going to go Metcalf. All right, I like it. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my segment. I hope you enjoyed the NFC West. James, thank you. Uh, I'm surprised you did the NFC West so early since all of our teams are in this uh, in this division. But when my Rams win, we can talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a great season. Thank you as always. Um, when we come back, the home run derby is over, so we're gonna talk some baseball with Tyler, and then we'll finish it off with trading after that. Uh, we'll be right back. We are back. The All-Star festivities have started. The Home Run Derby is complete. Uh, and Tyler's going to get us into all the other baseball news. His, I don't know. if the, Are these technically O-Dams this week since there's like no games kind of? O-Dam. Yeah. O-Dam. I guess they are O-Dams. Tyler, take it away. Yeah, so the 2021 Home Run Derby concluded. Uh, we had a back-to-back champion, Pete Alonzo, uh, uh, hit – I don't remember what his total. I think it was 23 home runs in the final round to beat Trey Mancini. Uh, it was quite. It was quite a good show put on by everyone. Um, so we're, let, let's talk about the, the home run derby first. Um, it was it was quite a good one. I mean, the, the the first two rounds were decided by one home run apiece. Um, so it, was, it already got off to, to a good start. Um, they mentioned beforehand that Coors Field kind of favors right-handed batters a little bit because the, the, the fence out in left field where they tend to pull the ball is a little bit lower versus in left field, you really have to get the ball up. We definitely kind of saw that, saw that play out in the home run derby. So Alex, obviously, you know, a few years ago, the MLB, they changed the format to instead of just having 10 outs for every round, it's, it's time. So now they get three minutes to hit as many home runs as they, as they can. You know, the, the first two rounds uh, were, were decided by one home run. I mean, did that get off to a great start? You're just like, like did, did you just, were you just happy to see it back at, at point yeah i mean especially taking a year off um the awkwardness with it's you know it was supposed to be in atlanta and now it's in colorado which i mean if anyone wants to watch a home run derby colorado is the place to do it anyway um so to have it it be the first one back after covid was like it worked out really well i mean yeah the first two rounds were so close um i picked Joey Gallo wins. That didn't go well for me as he lost in the first round. Um, but the home run, yeah, it was a great, great home run derby. Congrats to Pete Alonzo. Shout out to Ashley because she picked him to win at the beginning while we were watching it. So shout out to shout out to my fiance. Um, but yeah, uh, to go to the change of style, way better. 100%. Um, it just seems like the guys get more invigorated. They, they're not as exhausted by the end. I mean, we just saw what was it was 23 to 22 or whatever in the last round. Um, there's definitely been ones where it's like six to four in the last round because these guys just they're just gassed by the end. Um, so the, the new format's great. Um, you know, Denver and Colorado's done a great job putting it on so far. And yeah, it was, it was a super fun home run derby. For sure, and then you know Pete Alonso drops 35 home runs in the first round, which is a uh, which is a record. Uh, he made it look easy. I, I felt really bad for Salvador Perez to follow him up. Well, he 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 put up 27, I believe, so pretty respectable first round. But I mean, when you see Pete Alonso go throw up 35, and you're like, 
fuck, I got to follow that up. So he obviously got off to a great start. And then the, the kind of the, the main man of the whole, of the whole all-star weekend is Shohei Otani. Um, this was kind of when I saw the, the, uh, the brackets come out, one of those upsets where I thought this could be a sneaky upset here because Juan Soto, although he's the eight seed, the bottom seed, you know, this season hasn't hit him any home runs. He is as much pop as anybody, you know, and him and Shohei went out. Shohei, so I think uh, Soto put up 22 and then Shohei came and he got off to an abysmal start. I think he had like four home runs in the first like two minutes and you're like, oh no, like this is this one. It's turning to a disaster. Then he turned it around and, and, and with the bonus time, he ended up tying Soto. And then we went into the, uh, the one minute bonus time. So then each player got one more minute and they tied again after that. And then it went into the three round uh, swing off basically. And Soto went three for three and then Shohei, his first swing of his three rounds, he hit a ground ball to second base. So uh, Shohei got knocked in the first round. Were you disappointed to see Shohei? Like, were you, were, did you want this guy to, to, to go as far as possible? Um, kind of your thoughts on Shohei getting knocked out in the first round. Yeah. So first thing, the Pete Alonso Sal Perez thing, ESPN, you did a shit job covering Salvador Perez. Uh, typical East Coast, West Coast bias thing. Sal Perez put on a show after being down. To, I mean, realistically, it was impossible for him to hit 35. But as a catcher, he had the second most out of anyone else in the first round. And you were interviewing Pete Alonso the entire time. And I don't even think you said his name out loud. So ESPN, you fucked up on that one. That's a, Take that as an L. You, you know, obviously, Pete Alonso ended up winning, so it's fine. Um, on to the Shohei thing. He definitely looked like he was pressing because uh, every the first minute of his first round, everything was, a, I mean, a shot. He was just hitting him super hard, but they're all line drives right down right field, the right field line. Um, he was getting no lift on it. And it was a little disappointing. I wasn't, go I didn't pick him to win because his swing is, I mean, obviously whoever I picked, I didn't, didn't win, but his swing is so violent and it's pretty long and I mean, the home run derby is a, is a marathon. I mean, Pete Alonso, you can you saw it. His swing is short and sweet and powerful. And Shohei's got to kind of like wrap his whole body around. Um, and yeah, I agree. It like when they got matched up, I was like, dude, Juan Soto could win this. He's a great hitter. He was hitting balls out to like the left center as a lefty. Those are ball like and bombs like four four fifty four seventy. So a little disappointed in Shohei. But he still got plenty to do this weekend, so it's kind of a good thing that he maybe didn't go on and waste all of his energy since he's starting and leading off for the AL tomorrow anyway. Yeah, I'm definitely glad he at least made it, you know, a little bit of a competition there at the end. I was really worried he would get, like, under 10 home runs, and I'm just like, oh, God. Like, yeah. everyone tune in to see this guy, and then he, you know, gets the least amount of home runs in the first round. But the top four seeds end up getting knocked out of the home run derby in the first round. So you got all the bottom seeds, which is what the home run derby is all about. You know, there, it, it, it is a different art hitting home run, doing a home run derby than hitting home runs in a, in a real game. Um, so the final ended up being the defending champ, Pete Alonso, against Trey Mancini, who last week, James mentioned, is one of the greatest stories of the first half and him coming back from, from colon cancer. Um, so awesome to see him in the final. Did you want him to win over Pete Alonso or were, were, were you rooting for the polar bear to go back to back? No, you have to root for Trey Mancini in that in that aspect. I mean, he made it to the finals. He was also hitting some bombs. He started off slow in that first round too, took the break at the right time, and then just got in a groove. I was rooting for him. 
Um, but I mean, both of those guys are so likable. Pete Alonzo just like jamming out to whatever song he was playing while he was hitting. He was like dancing in between, in between. So it was super. I wanted Trey Mancini to win in that fi- in that final, but I'm not upset that Pete Alonzo won either. Yeah, very entertaining. Another one of the most entertaining parts of the Home Run Derby is seeing the fans. Um, I don't know if you guys were watching, but I can't remember who it was. I think it was either Gallo or uh, Olsen hit a home run, and one of the fans tried to reach for a ball over a railing, and he fell. I think it was Olsen. Olsen. He fell super hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It wasn't Knocked out his teeth. Fall, but it was, it was funny to see. Um, it's also fun to see the guy, the you know, fans who catch the ball and just how pumped they get. Which is that would be a dream come true for me personally. Uh, catching a home run at the home under you'd be freaking awesome. Also, in the final round when uh, uh, Pete Alonzo was going, I think a kid rolled his ankle or something in outfield. There's about a two minute delay to get the kid carted off the field. So hopefully that kid's okay. That's also to your mind. It's going out shagging fly balls in an outfield would be, would be super fun to do during a home run derby. So all around great derby, super fun, super happy for it to be back. Um, looking forward to the All Star game tomorrow. Uh, we're going to kind of touch on the All-Star game a little bit later, but let's go to my other O'Dams from this past week. I'm going to start off with uh, Ronald Cooney Jr., who had quite himself uh, a weekend in Miami. Uh, the first one being, you know, he's kind of had this history with the Miami Marlins and him getting hit by pitches. Uh, he was hit again uh, by relief pitcher uh, Anthony Bender on Friday uh, by a slider. It was pretty much clearly, clearly not intentional but it is the seventh time that he's been hit by, uh, by the Marlins in his career and, and the second this season. The first being back on July 2nd when Pablo Lopez uh, was the first pitch of the game that he threw through a fastball right at Acuna. He, he ended up um, getting tossed um, from the game. There's a, there's a large history there. Uh, both managers pretty much kind of brushed it off and didn't think it was a big deal. Even Don Mattingly, the, the Marlins manager, said he's pretty much sick of all the drama. Um, James, I just want to ask you real quick. Um, do you think that Acuna is being a little overdramatic when something like that happens? Like, obviously, there's a time when you think it might be intentional, like that Pablo Lopez one. Maybe it was a little bit intentional, but this one that Bender threw, that was a slider that just got away from him. And just because of the history, is it being more dramatic? Or, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on Acuna's reaction every time he gets hit by the Marlins? I think he's being a little overdramatic. And maybe he was just having a bad day, man. I mean, Ronald Queen is a pretty chill dude to begin with. Like, he doesn't have outbursts like that often. He's kind of just there doing his thing, trying not to have some of the drama. Maybe he woke up on the noise side of the bed. Maybe his coffee wasn't right today. And so just a bunch of frustration built up until it hit a boiling point, that little threshold. And being hit with a pitch, with a slider, as slow as it is, it's still going to hurt. It's still going to leave a mark. And so it just reached a boiling point. And I think he just he took that into account when he had his little implosion that didn't result in anything. Um, nothing really happened of it because of it. I mean, so he was being a little overdramatic in that moment, but being the seventh time it was warranted, but not to the point that it was kind of walk out to the, the mound and stare. You can stare him down, but run back, go to first base, take your walk to first base. Nice and stuff. If you want to don't walk towards the pitcher. That's kind of where, um, that's where I kind of like was like, oh, that's being a little overdramatic right there. But for the most part, man, like it was kind of warranted. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was handled by both sides pretty well. You know, I think Acuna, anytime the Marlins going to want them, it's just going to be a thing. And I kind of agree with Mattingly. It's kind of getting to the point where it's like every. I mean, you're going to get you're you're playing the same division, you play the same bunch, you're going to get hit by them at some point. You know, it's probably not going to be intentional, so it, it's hard. Yeah, you know, like you said, maybe you're just having a bad day. Um, but he had a much worse day the day after, unfortunately. Uh, he suffered a season-ending uh, injury for his ACL. 
uh, going for a fly ball out in right field. Uh, huge blow to not only the Braves, but I think baseball fans everywhere. Ronald Acuna is one of the you know top young talents in this game. Um, it really sucks to see a, a guy go down like that. Um, so obviously, you know, he's, he's out for the year. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be back. But, you know, James, you know, I'm just curious as you're, you're just, you know, the you know, baseball fan and just, you know, seeing Acuna go down like that, does that, you know, kind of it, it hurts because you want to see this guy play, even though he's not, you know, an angel or whoever? Absolutely. He's, ex he's exciting. He makes offense. He makes the Braves fun to watch. He was, the Braves are having a very disappointing season this season. We all kind of expect them to be the leader in that division, but they're four games back right now. Um, the Mets are kind of just chilling up at the front without doing anything crazy. But he makes that Braves team watchable, him and Freddie Freeman both. I mean, the dude leads the team in batting average, home runs, and war. I mean, like, and his OPS is almost at one, which is crazy because that's kind of like the threshold of being a really exciting player. Like, Shohei's over what, like, that kind of thing. So having him be out and makes that Braves team a little less – watchable with the, all the injuries they're having right now on top of Acuna um, a bunch of their pitches going out that closing pitcher Anderson is having like just five six blown saves it's tough to see and if this Braves team wants another a chance to fix their season from a disappointing one to a season that they're supposed to have they needed him it's going to be tough for them to make this climb back now without somebody as integral to their team as he is yeah, the, the Braves are screwed, which is crazy because when we talked about them early on, like all the computer rankings had them ranked in fourth place. And we were all pretty much we all agreed that, that was crazy. You know, this team went within one game of the World Series last year and pretty much had all the same team back, if not better. And yet everyone was ranking them pretty low. Turns out they're right. Apparently they could predict season end, season ending injuries to their star players as well. So the, the computers are getting smart, everyone. It's only be worth the takeover. So just, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. Um, so moving on to my, uh, my, my next oh damn moment, Slam Diego is back, everybody, and it's back in a huge way. Um, this may be one of the coolest, if not the best Grand Slams I have ever seen in my life. Um, so we have to set it up for you. Um, it was hit by Daniel Camarena. If you've never heard of the name before, it's probably because, you know, he's only, he just got called up. He's only made two short stints, and he's a relief pitcher. You know, and this dude hit a Grand Slam. In the Padres' 9-8 comeback win over the Washington Nationals last weekend. And he hit it off Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, which I'm sure you've heard of, is starting the All-Star game for the National League. So he's no, you know, just lame pitcher. He's, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. As I mentioned, he was called up that very same day um, to, um, to, to prepare for the Padres. He came into the game to replace Hugh Darvish, who got injured. So, um he, so he came in the game, and then the, the, the Padres were losing eight to nothing at, at, in, about by the uh, fourth inning. Uh, so Camarena came up with the base load in two outs in the fourth inning, um, and he hits a one-two fastball over the right field fence. The score is now eight to six, um, and Petco Park goes absolutely crazy. Which honestly, when I was watching, I was going crazy because that is just an unbelievable experience. Um, I think it was the rea the reaction video. I think I, I believe it was his older brother who was at the game. Um, and his reaction to it was just priceless. Um, so I don't know, Trayden, I don't know about you, but is this one of the, considering all the circumstances, like one of the greatest grand slams of all time? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is the equivalent of like a, of, of, of a guy who just gets called up like a 30 year old guy who gets called up just to play in that fourth line position 
and he gets a hat trick, right? Like it's it's that obscure because <laughs> it's so weird. Look, this this is how statistically crazy it is. That's even before how like just emotionally crazy it is. The guy didn't even own his own bat and batting gloves before the season. He didn't even own that. So that's 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 interesting there. Uh, and, and the the I think what's I, I, well to start the crazy stats because it's like this is an, a statistical anomaly. He took a ninety six point five four seamer from Max Scherzer. That's that's faster than his normal pitch. Okay. On top, so that, that that's to start off. This season, batters are hitting two two uh, two eleven off of uh, off of his four seamers, and he's only allowed just nine homers when he throws it, and he threw it in the in a position you know i think it was like down and it was kind of down inside and not even fernando titties jr has hit for hits for power when he sees that right so this is a guy that takes a pitch that that fernando tatis only that only makes contact with 27% of the time he hits it out of the park at a at a launch angle that should not have gone over the fence. Like by all, by all standards, by everything that, that is everything that's physics, I guess the baseball gods brought the ball over the fucking like over the, over the, over the, the fence. I mean, this is something that is, is, is an anomaly. This, and this is a guy that, you know, is, is a, is the call up to, to relief, you know, to play, you know, as a relief pitcher for the, for the, uh, for the Padres in a game where they're losing by, you know, a lot. And he helped rally a comeback. Like it's, it's just, it's just amazing. Um, and you know, there's more is way more stats that, um, that, uh, I could say, but I guess the, I'll finish up with this one. The last pitcher to hit a grand slam for the Padres was in 1970. And the last time and only time a pitcher's first MLB hit was a grand slam was in 1898 guys. That's fucking insane. <laughs> like, like everything about this is, is absolutely insane. And if you don't believe that there's a God, please check yourself. Cause he's watched the Padres. <laughs> and, and you know what? And, and you know what? Maybe it's, it's, it's your, you're in that aura of the, of the slam, you know, slam Diego. That's what they do. And you know, you're just, you're just part of the boys, man. You're just part of the boys. It truly Every every angle you we've, we've hit, it's just, just unbelievable that that happened. And <laughs> I still and look, I'm talking about it now. And I still have a grin on my face. I'm like, that is one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen on a baseball field. Like it really is. Like people who probably don't watch baseball that much, like probably just like it's another grand slam by you know whatever. Like no, like this dude's a relief. Like relief pitchers rarely ever get at bats. Like almost never. Okay, and so the fact that he did getting called up from the minor leagues and faced Max Scherzer. A hall, probably a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's just unbelievable. Like it, may, it makes zero sense that it happened. Oh, and oh, by the way, I'm gonna. They had two outs and two strikes. Yeah, and like, like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, come on. To, to win the game, and then also, you know, I was kind of, you know, last year they they took the the they put the DH in the in, in the National League. This year they they removed that and put the were able to have the pitchers bat again. And I've been on the fence of this argument for so long. Like, I really don't know which way to fall on it because I like seeing offense and I like seeing home runs. And so that sense, I want the, the DH to be in both leagues. But then moments like this happen, you're like, 
if that rule was in place, we would never get this. And this is one of the coolest moments I've ever seen on a baseball field. And I think I would agree. It's probably in my lifetime, probably the coolest grand slam I have ever seen. Um, so God, I mean, that, that was an incredible moment. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on to my last, my last uh, topic here. I want to talk about, so we're at the also break. We're kind of looking at the, the vision standings halfway through. There's a couple of surprises. I think for sure that the giants and the red Sox are at the top of their divisions. Um, I mentioned, you know, when I kind of since when I sent out the topics, the, the giants and the red Sox on Saturday, I believe had the top two records, but since then that happened, it's, that didn't happen. The Dodgers, the Dodgers and giants have the top two records. The red Sox are still in the top four. Um, but either way, the Giants and the Red Sox are both in first place in their respective divisions. So, Eric, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Which of these is the bigger surprise to you? And then question number two, which one of these teams do you think has a better chance of winning their division? Um, I think the Giants are more of a surprise to me. Um, just based off the Red Sox, like past history and the way they've been the last probably 10 years. Um but I guess you could say the same about the Giants, but the Giants seemed a little bit more on a cold streak. But yeah, I mean, let's get into the stats. So far, so good. 57 wins. They are ranked first in uh, hitting categories. Uh, 0.329 on base percentage, 0.435 slugging percentage, 438 total runs. Um, 418 of those are RBIs. So, in other words, they score a lot when they have guys on base, um, and that's going to get you wins in baseball. Uh, five pitchers they have are under the 2.0 ERA. So, in other words, uh, lots of hits, lots of scoring, and good enough pitching. Um, and that's why they're doing good so far, to keep it simple. But uh, the second part of your question, <clears throat> I think the Red Sox have a better chance – of winning their division. Um, the Red Sox just like seem to get it going at the right time. Uh, I think they're going to continue on with their trend of being just another good team. Um, they're going to be a tough team come playoff time as well. And we know that, you know, their playoff uh, experience over the last, you could say, you know, 10 years also is, has developed um, and they become more reliable so another thing is the Red Sox. I feel like we knew they were going to be better this year. Um, they had a pretty terrible season last year. Um, they acquired a guy by the likes of Kike Hernandez. Uh, ever heard of him? Knows how to spark their lineup, being the first leadoff hitter for them. Um, they're ranked eighth in the hitting categories, but second most in RBIs, right behind the Giants. They're in the top five slugging percentage. Um, 0.322 on base percentage ranked third in the pitching categories, but they're, they got a team ERA of 4.09. Um, but I think they just have guys that know how to win and come playoff time. They seem to be poised and uh, get the job done. Yeah, I would say the, for me, the giants are definitely the bigger surprise of the two. Um, and I think that I, I agree. I think, I think the Red Sox probably have a better chance of winning their division than the giants. You know, like I said, I've been counting the Giants out all year, and I think they've had the best record in baseball since, like, early May. Um, and they just keep winning baseball games, guys, and it, should, it doesn't make any sense, but they, but, but, but they keep doing it. Um, so those are two teams to watch. I think, you know, huge um, upsets in terms of our, our preseason predictions. Um, you know, Trayton did have them make the playoffs, so 
I, I keep mentioning that every time, but uh, I, you know, so, you know, you have the Dodgers in the, in the NL West kind of um, creeping up. The Padres are kind of starting to slow back. Well, I think there's six games out right now at the break. Um, and then in the AL East, you got um, the uh, Tampa Bay race, which I, I believe they're two and a half or three games out. Of 1.5. 1.5. Okay. So it'd be a little, bit, a little bit closer than I thought. So I think it's going to come down to those two teams and in, in, in both of those the divisions. But I, I do think the Red Sox, I think, will end up winning the AL East because you also have to remember that they're going to get Chris Sale back at some point this season. Um, I believe he's going to start a rehab assignment very shortly here. Um, so we, you might see him back in August at some point. Um, and that'll be huge for them down the stretch. So having Chris Sale back in that rotation that's already been performing above expectations is going to be huge for the Red Sox. Giants don't got, you know, an ace like that coming back. So they might make a trade, but at the moment they, they got the hat and they have a great uh, pitching staff, obviously. Um, but, you know, the Red Sox are going to get some major reinforcements coming up. Uh, but other than that, you know, that's all I got for baseball this week. Uh, but, well, real quickly for the All-Star game tomorrow, I just want to go around the horn. Um, it's kind of a surprise one. But who do you think is going to win the, win the All-Star game, National League, American League, and who do you think is going to win the MVP? Um, so I'll start with Traden. A.L. Otani. A.L. Uh, Otani. Oh, I thought you said Eric. <laughs> all right, Eric also says A.L. Otani. James, what do you got? I'm going to go National League and go with Tatis. Alex. I'm going to go National League and Trey Turner. It's, it's never anyone like you think. It's always somebody random. The American, in my lifetime, the American League has had the National League numbers in, in this in this uh, game. I believe the National League's on a seven-game losing streak in the All-Star game. But I'm always going to go National League. You know, they're, 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 they're my league to go for. So I'm going to go National League's going to win it. I'm going to go Nolan Arenado with the NFL. He's coming back to Denver. His his his, his goal stopping grounds. I think he's going he's going to hit a home run. And he's going to make some great defensive play like he always does. Um, so tune in tomorrow on Fox. I believe it starts around five o'clock around that time ish. So uh, also game tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Other than that, that's all I got for baseball. All right, Tyler. Thank you as always. Uh, I love that Arenado pick. A uh, little embarrassing that Trey didn't had to update you on uh, baseball standings. But trading, good for you, bud. Love that. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, we're going to take another quick break, and then trading is going to bring us back to something we haven't done in a while. So it will be fun. Um, we'll tell you guys what that is in just a little bit. Okay, we are back. Traden is taking us through Jeopardy again. We haven't done this in, I don't know, like six months or something, pretty much since the hockey season started. So whatever the hell that was. Um, but we're doing Jeopardy again. So Traden, let's, uh, let's play some Jeopardy. Let's do it. Um, I, I first want to congratulate the uh, tr- uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations on a run, um, quite a run. And then Montreal Canadiens, way to, way to stick in there. Um, I, um, it was, it was a, little bit of a lackluster series ending but now we're going to move on to jeopardy the guys don't know what these categories are usually i kind of have a theme but i kind of just went all random uh, and i'm just about to share them share it with them right now um does everybody see what we got yum yum got uh, it yum yum yeah okay so for everyone um listening the categories are yum yum which i'll give you guys some ideas that has to do with things that taste good food drinks you know that's kind of what we talk about um 
Second category is talk about random. Like that is literally just a compilation of random factoids. So that'll be fun. Um, the coolest game on earth. I, I assume you guys can understand what that is. Uh, me being the, the self-proclaimed hockey guy. That's what we'll oh, talk about. On, I couldn't man. do a whole Jeopardy on hockey because I don't know that any of you guys would even have a chance. I wouldn't even have a chance. Um, and then <laughs> in, in, uh, in preparation for the upcoming winter, I'm uh, sorry, summer Olympic games, we're doing a, a little summer Olympic games uh, um, Jeopardy as well. So same rules as always. The, the, um, I will say the whole questions. Um, these guys, these guys kind of buzz in um beforehand but i want everyone to get a chance to you know answer it on the uh, on the podcast so um we're gonna start james you just start us off man yum yum with 300 please yum yum for 300 okay <laughs> this soft drink was originally invented as a mixer for whiskey james uh the canadian ale thing the, uh, it is ale. not Damn ginger it. ale <laughs> uh, ginger ale that's what i was looking for tyler this is for no points but you buzzed in too coca-cola no mountain One, dew two. what is mountain dew i've literally never tried that before i i, I think I, I thought I that I was have. absolutely insane but it is what it is um yeah that one was kind of crazy james take us away random 200 random 200 this word describes a duel between three people alex oh shit uh, I'm going to go with Mexican standoff. Nope. A truel. Oh, Lee, true, Not a duel, man. but a truel. Jesus. Okay. That, that's how we're <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, we, yeah, we're okay. done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, James, no one's got a right answer. So much sense. Let's go with random for 100, please. Random for 100. This is the largest tech company in South Korea. I, I, I no one's but. <laughs> oh. This is a layup. What? What? Tyler, you buzzed in. This is a layup. Like you should, everyone should know this. Samsung. Yes, sir. It is. Oh. <laughs> Nailed it. That's why it's a hundred because no it was clue. quite easy. Tyler, take us away. I thought that was hard. That was, that was hard. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh man! Yikes! Oh. Let's go Olympic Games for a hundred. Olympic Games for a hundred. Misty May Trainer and Carrie Walsh Jennings were back to back to back Olympic gold medalists in this sport in 2004, 2008, and 2012. Tyler, beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. That is correct. That is why it is another hundred one. <laughs> I assume you knew that one, James. You buzzed in there. I did. Um, so right now, Tyler has 200 points, zero for the rest of the boys. Tyler, take us away. Uh, let's do talk about random for 300. Okay, here we go. This country is unknowingly famous for being larger than the dwarf planet Pluto. Eric. Russia. That is correct. It is. Russia. Holy shit. That was it a guess. <laughs> It is Russia. Yes, sir. So that's 300 points for you, Eric. Take us away, buddy. Uh, yum, yum for 400. Yeah, this is, this is your category, man. I made this category for you. Thank you. The original recipe for Coca-Cola had this main ingredient alongside caffeine. Uh, I think it was, is it Alex? Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's cocaine. It is absolutely 100% cocaine. Yes. <laughs> And it wasn't was until 1929 that they that they took cocaine out of the recipe. Whoa! Wow. 
So some little news for you. Um, yeah, Alex, take you. us away. Let's go coolest game on earth, 500. Ooh, okay. This former team, located in the New England area, relocated to North Carolina to become the Carolina Hurricanes in 1997. Alex. Who are the Hartford Whalers? Who are the Hartford Whalers, indeed. Good job. I didn't know if you guys would get that one. Go ahead, uh, Alex. Sick jerseys. Um, let's go they are Olymp- Olympics for 300. Okay. Baseball became an official Olympic sport in this year's summer games. We have, oh, Eric, you buzzed in. Uh, 1969. It is 1992. Oh. The 1992 summer games. They did have, they did have, they did unofficially (laughs) pay baseball in the Olympics way back when, but it didn't officially become a sport until 1992. Um, And I believe they're probably going this year. Tyler, maybe, maybe, I don't know if you're going to do anything on that. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, yeah, no get idea. Get, when you get there, um, go ahead. I think it was Alex. Go ahead. Um, let's go yum yum for one hundred. All righty. This country produces the most coffee in the world. Ooh, Tyler was fast on that. Colombia. No, James. Africa. It is not. It is oh, Brazil? Not a forty percent of the world's coffee capacity. What? Brazil. <laughs> It's so weird. That's, that's, so that's weird. one of the dumbest things anyone's ever said on this podcast. That is so not true. We have Tyler here talking all the time. What yeah, country did you pick <laughs> Africa? That's basic. <laughs> 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 I didn't want to say, I'm the, hey, I'm just the host. I got to be nice. You guys can yeah. just. I don't have to. That was the dumbest thing anyone said on this podcast. <laughs> Love you, buddy. All right, Alex. <laughs> um, was it? Let's yeah. go. Let's go yum yum 200. Okay. This iconic meal was introduced by McDonald's in 1968. Tyler's quick on that. Happy meal? Sorry? Happy meal. What was that? Happy meal? (laughs) Happy meal. Shit. He keeps just saying it. Because I just cutting in and out. I assume he's saying happy meal. He said, yeah, I don't know if he said it. Uh, (laughs) Alex, do you want to no points, but do you want to give a shot? Oh, well, I'm pretty sure it's also Happy Meal, which I think no. is what it's like. James, oh, I, I, I thought you were going to buzz in. I'll give you a chance. I mean, I'm not, you're not, I won't give any points, but I mean, I think. Is it a meal or an item? It, it is, it's a meal. Super I mean, it's an item meal. Like, it's, they, they called it a meal. Like, it's a meal. A Big Mac meal. It is the Big Mac. That's an item. I mean, it's a meal. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's a country. It's a meal for any normal person. For you, it's like you get like four of them every time you go. I literally do get four of them. You're right. <laughs> 100% correct. All right, Alex. Uh, let's go talk about random 500. All right, here we go. New Zealand's nine, 90, uh, it's actually the 90-mile beach is how many miles long? James. 90 miles. Incorrect. It is 55. What the fuck? It is 55 oh. miles. <laughs> that would be a trivia question. Jesus. Hey, that's you just, learn something that's, every day. What? Hey, I had to. Th- that's why it's a five hundred dollar question. I can't make them that easy. I thought you were just like trying to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Uh, suck Alex. at this. Man, we've been struggling. Let's go coolest game on earth for one hundred. Okay, here we go. The Montreal Canadiens have won this many Stanley Cups. Eric. Uh, twenty six or something. Like that. Uh, just two over. It is twenty. Ugh. 
24 Stanley Cups. Um, Alex. Um, hockey again for 200. Okay. These are the original six NHL teams. Name at least four. Tyler buzzed in. Shit, okay, I got four. All right, Go ahead well, and do six if you know them. All right, Mo- Montreal. Okay. Boston. Okay. Detroit. Okay. Okay. Do you know the other two? Right. So the other two. Let me see if I get the other two. New York. Yep. And um, shit. San Jose. Yeah, San Jose, the team that came in in 1992. Yeah, I, I, Chicago Blackhawks, dude. Yeah. Chicago right. Blackhawks. Come on, bro. Should got that one. Uh, but you did definitely get the points for that. Um, so to recap, Alex is at 900 points. Uh, Tyler's at 400. Eric is at three. And James, you have a chance. There's a lot of points available, man. You yeah, have a chance. No. <laughs> Tyler, take us away. Uh, let's do Olympic Games for 200. All righty. An Olympic gold medal is made mostly of this metal. Tyler. I think it's copper. Incorrect. Alex, do you have a uh, no nickel? It's made of silver. 92.4% of it is silver. In 1912 was the last gold, solid gold medal. Um, so you're actually not getting a gold medal. It's symbolic, which is bullshit. Um, <laughs> fuck you, IOC. <laughs> Among the other, th- among your other corruption, you don't even give us give them real gold medals, you assholes. All right, Tyler. <laughs> uh, let's do talk about random for four hundred. All right, last random one. This was the first feature length animated film ever released. Tyler. Uh, Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is correct. Jesus. The fuck, dude. That is correct. <laughs> I know my. <laughs> I didn't know if you would get that. I mean, I, 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 I mean, that's pretty impressive um tyler uh okay let's do uh coolest game on earth for 300 all righty this annual award is given to the most outstanding player in the nhl as voted by the members of the nhlpa aka the players eric the lady bing no that is that is the bitch award the guy who does (laughs) fuck all this is actually the ted Lindsay award the Ted Lindsay goes to oh, what the, fuck? Um, the most outstanding player um, as voted by his peers. So this year it was Connor McDavid for his like third time. Um, Tyler. Uh, let's do Olympic for 400. All righty. This country staged the first modern Olympic games in 1896. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Tyler. I mean, you can pass if you, it, yeah, I, I'll, I'll pass it because I was tr- trigger happy and didn't really read it. All right, Eric, you want it? Or- Russia. <laughs> Russia. <laughs> James, you, you, you buzzed in. I'll, I'll, uh... Africa. Just kidding. Ireland. <laughs> what did you say? Ireland. No, it was actually Greece. Damn. Oh, fuck, I was going to say that. Greece. Uh, Greece is the, is the, you know, the father of the Olympics. Obviously, they, were, they, they hosted the ancient Olympics back in, you know, 780 so never, I should um, never doubt myself. Aaron Donald. Yeah, Aaron, 700 Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler. Um, let's go Olympic for 500. All righty. The five Olympic rings symbolize this. Tyler. I believe it's the, the continents of all the nations. Yes. yes, sir. 
Now there, I know there are seven continents, but the, the North uh, American and South American continents are considered America. They are the union of the five continents. Obviously, Antarctica does not count. There's like nobody that lives there. So uh, these are the five major continents coming together. Um, good job, Tyler. I, th I think I forgot. There you go. So Tyler, I think you, oh, it's pretty close. Tyler, you have 1300 points, Alex at 900, Eric at three and James at zero. James could get, James could tie if he gets both these next ones right. Um, Eric, you, you, you have a chance to get second <laughs> if you get them both. Um, Alex and Tyler, I think you guys are going to be the ones buzzing in on these ones for sure, right? Um, or be quick. Uh, Tyler, which one do you want to go with now? Uh, Super Bowl game on Earth 400. Last hockey one. This rule, now abolished, did not allow what we now consider is the stretch pass. Eric. Fuck. Um, you can pass if you. It was it was the uh, the icing rule, like the one where you can't. It's they blow the whistle early now because dudes were getting bashed on the boards. It is not that. Um, it is the two line pass. So there was a there was a time back in hockey where you actually couldn't pass over two lines, so you you couldn't stretch pass. Um, obviously, the game would be not like it is now. It was very slow. Um, no one could, I guess, cherry pick is probably the the word you're looking for. But um, yeah, that is the two line pass. All right, yum yum for five hundred for all the marbles. Alex and Tyler, this is kind of a showdown for between you, but guys, but James and Eric, you guys could just rob it from Alex <laughs> or Tyler for that matter. So uh, for the last question of the night, yum yum for five hundred. The Manhattan cocktail, a blend of sweet vermouth and whiskey, was first created by the mother of this famous politician, Eric. Uh, don't let this take points away. Because this is going to be a dumb answer. Hey, uh, actually, I have no idea. So just no answer. Okay, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass. I want to say Truman, but he's a – yeah, no. Okay, so Alex. So it's Alex. This has to be a real answer. Okay, real <laughs> answer. I'm going with John F. Kennedy. It is not John F. Kennedy. Um, it is Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. Uh, Winston Churchill's mom made the Manhattan. I that seem it seems ridiculous. Um, I tried to keep them easy, but they I know some of them are hard. Like no, guys, like, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, was... uh, congratulations, Tyler, winner, thirteen hundred points. Alex, um, just behind him at nine hundred. Eric and James, I I don't know. What we to combined for thirty points. We did really well. I, Eric I and I, thirty points each, or total between the two of us. The, the next one that I'll do, maybe I'll do them in a few weeks. Um, maybe you, maybe either the uh, listeners can give us some topics or maybe you guys could give me a, a, a few categories and I'll do some research. Um, but that was Jeopardy Volume 4 of part of TLDR Podcast. All right. Traden, great job, Tyler. Congratulations on your win. Um, Traden, I'm expecting my $900 uh, to be Venmoed to me shortly here. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> other than that, great episode, boys. Um, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, with hockey over and now basketball soon to be over, if you have anything you want Trade and I to talk about, feel free to reach out to us since um, we're going to be coming up with some weird stuff probably into the next couple months here. Um, other than that, uh, you guys have a great week, um, and we'll see you next time. Woo!